enemy and is about to heal our land. I believe that all the world religions tell you that to get to heaven, you have to earn your way to heaven with your works. But only Christianity teaches that it's by faith alone. And for me to get to heaven, it's 100% Jesus and 0% me. And for you to get to heaven, it's 100% Jesus and 0% you. I believe that Satan wants you to live in fear. So he can feed off your fear. That God has raised up an army of them. His remnant, his red-pilled Christian patriots that will help defeat Satan and the New World Order because of our faith. I believe that Satan incited the Jews to scream, crucify him, crucify him. And it totally backfired when Jesus said, forgive them, as they do not know what they do. I believe Jesus' death on the cross was a complete victory over Satan. And that his victory allows all of your past, present, and future sins to be forgiven. So that you can live the abundant life. And I believe in the power of one person working as a team with other Christian patriots and have massive impact in reversing this ungodly culture. And I believe that when I'm preparing to teach something, I end up forcing myself to learn it more deeply and I get blessed from what I learn. Therefore, I'm blessed to teach. And I believe that God has called me to empower Christian patriots with truth. And that's why I invite you to join us at blessedtoteach.com. That's blessed with the number two, teach.com. God bless you. And I hope you'll join me and all the Blessed to Teach patriots. And let's see what God is doing today. All right, here we are on Sunday. It is July 16th, 2023, and we're going to be digging into some awesome word and worship. We'll have music going on uh, almost in the background and or um, worshiping and praising to these beautiful worship videos um, that we have developed and really invested in heavily over the last year or two. Um, I think you really will enjoy it. We're going to be digging into some beautiful songs with the lyrics attached to scripture, along with uh, this beautiful video throughout the, the, these uh, um, you know, top uh, worship and praise songs that you can just go deep into understanding the Lord. And so we like to do that. We feel that when the presence of the Lord's with us and we really have the heart of worship, we learn better. And, um, and we're going to dig into Revelation chapter 3. Um, we went over chapters 1 and 2. Again, I teach each Monday, Thursday, and Sunday. Um, so you can see those after the show. We have, uh, have a, um, right before praise and prayer, I do a teaching on Monday and Thursday. And then a word and worship here on Sunday. If you want to go back and see those previous two chapters. All right, so um, I'm gonna, we're going to dig in here in a second. I'm going to lift this up in prayer. And then we will uh, start worshiping to a few beautiful songs before we dig into Revelation chapter 3. So let's, uh, let's start with a prayer. Heavenly Father, um, I just submit myself to you. I open my mouth and just allow you to fill it, Lord, like you say in Psalm 8110. Uh, Lord, you are the uh, author and finisher of our faith. You are the created 
You, you are the, the, the first cause. You created everything, Lord. You were there in the beginning. You're the, the Alpha and Omega, the, the first and the last. And Lord, we're learning about that in Revelation. I just pray you open the minds and that you will uh, we'll fulfill what um, you say in the first chapter of Revelation, that there be there's huge blessings for those who read this book of Revelation out loud and those who listen to it and obey its words, Lord. So we just pray that we can give us supernatural understanding supernatural um, uh, just blessings as we as we dive into your word of God. Thank you for the word of God, Lord, and everything that you give us with that word. We say these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. All right. Uh, so let's start with some beautiful music. Um, get our heart correct, right? Um, when we're digging into the word of God, it's I think it's real important. And this um, song has uh, three lyrics that we really attach scripture to and emphasize and you'll see the scriptures at the bottom of the song as it's playing with the beautiful video so um, i am coming back to the heart of worship it's all about you jesus i'm sorry lord for the thing i've made it and it says if anyone would come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me it's mark 8 34 and worship the Father in spirit and truth. John 4, 23, I invite you to just put everything away the next 90 minutes and just worship with me and learn with me. You search much deeper, you're looking into my heart, how things appear, says the lyric. And the scripture that is, we attach to that was, only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Let your heart therefore be Holy, true to the Lord our God. This is a, much of this is about. Right? It's just that. And it goes in the King of endless worth. How much you deserve? All I have is yours. The Lord reigns forever. Your God for all generations. Psalm one forty six ten. And He is atoning sacrifice for our sins, and also for the sins of the whole world. In one John two two. Woo, this is the King of endless worth.
worship songs <laughs> this one's everlasting God um, if you get a chance when you're worshiping to this uh, look down at the bottom of the screen you'll see some of the scriptures that just bring the Word of God to life as we worship 
that's what the whole goal of this uh, format is on praise and prayer and word and worship. This song talks about you are my everlasting God. Points to Jeremiah 10.10. But the Lord is the true God, the living God, everlasting King. The Lord reigns forever and ever. Second verse we emphasize here. It says strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. And Ephesians 3.16 says to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. And Colossians 1.11 plus being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. When we get to that lyric, you can just think of some of those scriptures that talk about that strength and with all power. And the third verse we emphasize in this is our hope, our strong deliverer and comforter in need. Isaiah 26, 4 says, Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. <laughs> Psalm 147, 3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And Jeremiah 31, 3 says, I love you with an everlasting love. I'm going to turn this up slightly. Let's worship the everlasting God. the Lord forever. The Lord God is an everlasting rock. 
Isaiah 26.4. I have loved you with an everlasting love, Jeremiah 31.3. All right, we're going to get into um, the Word of God now and jump in a bunch of stuff. I just want to center back onto Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. This is important. This is why we're doing this series, right? We went through the book of Daniel. You can see a lot of those, uh, again, Mondays, Thursdays, and Sundays when I teach. Um, when we go through the whole book of all 12 chapters of Daniel and now we're going through Revelation we've gone through chapters 1 and 2 but I want to come back to this it says blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it for the time is near so um, a lot of people avoid Revelation and learning it and even reading it because it's got a lot of symbolism and it can kind of uh, just not make as clear sense as something like the Galatians or Romans is clearly telling us how to live for the Lord, etc. That's awesome. But this is the only book that has a promise like this, <laughs> right? So let's let's uh, let's uh, make sure that we get blessed um, by uh, focusing on this book. And uh, I wanted to also let you know that there's a lot of people that interpret this book the diff different ways. And I'm going to try to stay away from um, being dogmatic about. Uh, any certain view, if you will. Although I'm coming at this as a perspective, as you know, of somebody who's looking at the future. Um, I report on a lot of the prophetic words from people like Amanda Grace and Julie Green and Robin Bullock, right? Kim Clement. And so I'm trying to apply um, a lot of what time are we in now when we look through all Daniel 1 through 12 and we look through Revelation. So I'm going to be giving that perspective a lot, right? But I want to let you know that as you dig through this, there's a lot of people that, that interpret this different ways. I think it's important to kind of understand that. Like here's four different ways. There's a, probably, there's a fifth one that kind of tries to combine all of these. But um, the methods interpreting Revelation here, and you know I like charts, right? The futurist 
um, looks at this as a blueprint of the end times. You know, basically at Revelation, and this is solely the future events. Obviously, we almost everybody um, teaches that the church, uh, especially the first church of Ephesus, is talking about that church at that time, right? Um, and so futurists look at, I would say, chapter 6 through 19, as uh, well, 6 through the end of the book, um, as, as, a, as, a, as a blueprint of the end times, right? His, now, historists, I really dug into this this week. It was kind of really interesting to me is the roadmap of world history, where they literally look at the seven churches as, as, a, as a church eras versus the physical churches of those that time, which, uh, which in, in one way was just a, a really cool thing for me to kind of understand church history better, right? So I'll, I'll include some articles in the show notes that you guys can dig into some of that stuff I dug into this week. Um, and it's, I think at a minimum, the historic, the historist um, method forces kind of back to look at what happened back during the early Roman church and what happened during the Reformation period and the French Revolution, all that type of stuff, right? And the, the preterists are, are ones that actually look at um, pretty much everything happened before 70 AD uh, until the second coming. Right, so that that's why the past preterists, and then there's idealists who look at pretty much everything symbolic, right? Eternal spiritual principles, and they don't look at this as literal type things. And so you probably heard of the book, the Left Behind series by Tim LaHaye. He was definitely a futurist, okay? And that's probably the most popular view. It's probably kind of where I've fallen primarily. And I want you got you to remain open-minded. We should remain open-minded. I think I told you the story. When I first became a Christian, I dove deep into the scriptures and I would come to a, to a uh, conclusion around a, a, a text that was um, controversial, if you will, and I would make a, I would make a, a in my mind, I would, I would think anybody else was a heretic and, and I had the truth. And then I would study some more and I would flip the position into another, another one of the views and I would say, oh, everybody else is a heretic. And then literally a year or two later, I would actually flip to the other view. So it made me just realize that we've got to be really careful as we just, God wants us to search the scriptures and continue to, to try to understand them. And sometimes I believe he will, he will make them very, very um, applicable to our situation at that time. It's not necessarily wanting to be right about everything. It's more of going through the process of searching the scriptures. He was really talking to me about that this week, about how important it was for all of us to get close to God and all of us to be in the word, right? So. I wanted to just make sure everybody understood that there's these different, um, in fact, I think the, um, the red pill, what's, what's it called that the resistant chicks are going through right now. They have a whole series of, of massive, massive videos on um, Re Revelation red pill, I think it's called. And they, they clearly are, are preterists, right? They think almost everything happened before the, the, the 70 AD. And uh, Tim LaHaye is a futurist as an example. And, um, and I, there, there's a lot of people that are, and so that's really kind of probably the two most popular, the historists. Um, um, again, and, and there's an article I'm gonna include here and, and a video that you guys can go if you go to the show notes. So to sign up for the show notes, go to blessedteach.com because a lot of I'm not gonna be able to cover in the limited time I have, right? Because I want to keep the music and the flow of the spirit going. So I'm going to be doing short segments of teaching, which means um, I'm just not going to be doing 45, 50 minute teachings uh, to go over half of one chapter, right? So, uh, so you, but, but I'll give you the material for you to go deeper if you'd like. Just go to blessedteach.com and right there on the front page, you can actually sign up for show notes. You'll get these on Tuesday. So Tuesday through Friday is when I send all my show notes out for the week, okay? All right. So here's, here's the, the video that goes through 
uh, four different views in five minutes of Revelation, right? There's actually a fifth view that kind of, kind of tries to combine them all. And here's an, and there's going to be an article here in the show notes, five views of interpreting the book of Revelation. And it talks about all these views, the futuristic approach, right? It talks about here the preterist approach. And it talks about the strengths and weaknesses of some of these, the historist approach, and also this idealistic approach. So there are main four. And then they've even included this eclectic approach that tries to take all of them together. And, you know, I think the conclusion here is pretty good. It says, what shall that we say in light of the strengths and weaknesses of these five approaches? One answer is clear. While all of the approaches may help to discover the meaning of the book of Revelation, none of them absolves contemporary readers from the hard task of interpreting the book in an an exactly uh, responsible manner and, and th this is basically just talking about uh, really using logic and analysis and thinking that's what God wants us to think for ourselves. God wants us to be examining the scriptures um, so as we dig through this and the reason I mentioned this now versus when we started in chapter one is because now we're going to get into some of this historist versus versus futures versus ideal stuff as we look as we finalize the last three churches right as we go into it so you will have that available to you all these different articles here um, here's another another one that goes through all these as well and uh, interpreting revelation i think this is more i'm going to pull this one out because this was actually this article is based on that one all right so here we go we are in chapter three we uh, chapter two went through the first four churches right where and one, one beautiful thing about all this is it is is that it clearly is showing who Christ is in a deeper way, as he's talking to the churches before he talks to them. Then he gives them some some usually some some correction and or hey you're doing well here you're not doing well here and then it ends with if you conquer you know what are the what are the blessings we're going to get at the end. So that's some of the things that I hope you take away from this. And there's this chart here. That's new, this new chart will we'll go through each of the seven churches and kind of talk about them and and uh, and how they all relate. But let's dig in and read chapter three, uh, the first part of it before we get to some more music. It says, "And to the angel of the church of Sardis, write the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars." And we know the seven stars are the church because we learned that from chapter one. Seven spirits being the Holy Spirit. That's throughout the whole revelation all over the place. It says, I know your work. So he gets right into it with Sardis. You can see this is one of the short, shortest ones. He only has six verses in the entire message to Sardis. And um, that, that's why I have a little bit of problem with the historists who basically take these, uh, if you take it from here to where you go to uh, the one who conquers, you know, basically it's it's three and a half verses. And they're, they're, they make a, say this is all talking about the, the errors of the church, which... Um, I don't think you can go that far, but that is where the historists go, and I'll show you some of their unique um, teachings there. But So now he's getting right into what is he telling to the church of Sardis. He says, I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Whoa, what a rebuke. He does not give any, 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 any positive feedback to, to this church. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember, then, what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Yet you have still a few names in Sardis, 
people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit say to the churches. Now, I really believe that the, one of the most obvious things is that this was an actual church at that point in time, right? And there's more than seven churches at that time, but he's using these seven churches as an examples of what can happen to us in the future with churches, not only physical churches, but this, the, 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 the body of Christ, all the believers in Christ. We have to be careful not to let this happen to us, right? We cannot, we, we, and, and, there's, and if I look at the physical churches or just the denominational churches, et cetera, there's many, many who are not awake, right? They're not fighting in the politics at all. The Johnson Amendment had made them sleepy. They, they don't talk about the Holy Spirit. So I think this applies to many churches today. And I believe that's what he wants us to do is look at these seven churches and say, hey, if you fall into any of these categories, whether you're a body of believers here at Blessed Teaching and backstage as an example, hey, doesn't this apply to us? And what can we do to make sure that we're conquering, right? All of the all of these ends with some conquering, right? And if I go back to this chart right here on the screen, you'll see here we are in Sardis of three one through six, it says and, and and Christ is is a uh, talking to, of himself as holds the seven spirits and the seven stars, and you can see right here it puts a uh, he has no positive stuff. <laughs> I know your deeds. There's no deeds good for so hopefully we don't fall in this category, right? Um, your reputation of life, but actually dead deeds not completed in my sight, right? So what is he telling them? He's basically saying, wake up, strengthen what's dying, remember and obey, or you will become like a, a, a night, a thief in the night. Or he'll, he'll come in like a thief in the night. But uh, the beautiful part about all these, it says, if you do overcome, and then here we are, a few who have not soiled, dressed in white, and in the book of life, you will be in the book of life, will never be blooded out. So basically, he's talking about you need to become spiritually alive. That's uh, that's part. So we'll look at all seven of these churches in a bit. But now let's get into Philadelphia, and then we'll get some music and finish up with Laodicea and talk a lot about how this, these seven churches apply. Okay, so let's get into the church of Philadelphia and the angel of the church. Philadelphia, right? The words of the Holy One, the true one who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shut and no one opens. So obviously when God opens something or Jesus opens something, or, uh, and no, nobody can shut it, right? And he, if he shuts something, no one can open it. That's why it's a beautiful prayer to say, hey, Lord, close the doors you don't want me to go through. <laughs> open the doors you want me to go through. Right? And this talks about the key of David. Um, I think that's talked about in several different places, but uh, um, this is one, uh, see if I can find it. I think it, here it is. Isaiah 22, 22, all the way back in Isaiah, it says, and I will place on his shoulder the key of the house of David, and he shall open and none shall shut, and he shall shut and none shall open. So that's basically quoting, Revelation is quoting from Isaiah 22, 22. And that beautiful, I just love how scripture Kind of compounds on itself to show uh, that G Jesus is the one who has this house of David. This is pointing to the Messiah back here. Um, there's another one I'm going to get to in a second. So let's go back to here. It says, I know your works. Now it gets right into what he's telling Philadelphia. He, they do have some good things. I know your works. 
Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one will be able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that one, no one may seize your crown. No one who conquers. I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of God, the name of my God. Never shall I go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven, and my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Ooh, so again, um, good and bad about the Church of Philadelphia. I just love this summary in the charts right here. Is this Philadelphia? It's talking about it right here. It says. Christ talks about he's holy and true, holds the key of David. He's talked about that all the way from Isaiah 22, 22. I have kept the word and not denied Satan's synagogue will acknowledge, endured patiently. So these are the positive things about Philadelphia um, that happened. He did not give any reproof here to Philadelphia. Interesting. There's only two churches that he did that to. He did that to Smyrna in Philadelphia where he gave no reproof. But he, you can see he I said, I said, I know your deeds to all except these two churches. So it's kind of interesting to put him in a chart to see what he said. He says, I'm hold on to your crown. I'm coming soon. And he talks about if you conquer a pillar in the temple, never leave the name of God's city and new name. Talked about all that. And it says, what do we need to do? We need to wait patiently. We're kind of like, we were just talking to singing about that, right? Uh, in, in, the, in the song about everlasting God, about did we get strength from waiting and so that's a Philadelphia. So we'll get into Laodicea next and um, finish up this chapter and then dig back into and analyzing some of, some of what uh, uh, these seven churches compare to, what these different views are, etc. But I wanted to dig into uh, just some more music. Now, Revelation song is the next one we're looking at is uh, and thank you thank you by, by the way uh, Annette from Sweden and Elizabeth from uh, um, Australia with their cameras on and worshiping with me here um, there's a lot of other people backstage if you want to join us it'd be awesome no no need to though you can come backstage by the way by just going to blessedchish.com and get in the backstage tab you can be back here in two minutes it's a pay forward model free now I think you'll really enjoy that so let's dig into this song and how it kind of relates. I love it. Worthy is a lamb who was slain. We're going to get into that in Revelation 5 here in a couple weeks. No, actually probably because it's um, probably Thursday or next Sunday. Say with a loud voice, Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. This is that resurrected Christ that's talking to the churches right now, right? This song talks about sing a new song to him who sits on heaven's mercy seat. Also in Revelation 5, we're going to read about this. The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb and they sang a new song. 
Exodus 25, 17 talks about the mercy seat. You shall make a mercy seat of pure gold and you shall put the mercy seat on the top of the ark and there I'll meet you. This is what the Old Testament they had to do. Once a year, the priest would come into that ark, right? Into the Holy of Holies and sit, sit with God in the mercy seat. Exodus 25, 17 to 22. But now we have the new priest, the high priest, Jesus. And so what's beautiful about this is he says, but when Christ appeared as high priest, he entered once and for all into the holy places by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Right, Hebrews 9, 11, 12. So we don't need the Holy of Holies anymore, right? Because through Jesus, we have direct access to this mercy seat, direct access to the Lord God Almighty. So I love this song, it's so beautiful. And it says, who was and is and is to come, we read this in Revelation 1.8 when we studied it just a couple days ago. It says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Remember, he's the beginning and the end. He was there at creation. Says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Let's worship this Revelation song. This God really is.
a lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Whew. I just love to worship the Lord. You can probably tell that. Um, and these songs just bring me closer to the throne of God, um, especially when we make sure that we're attaching into Scripture. This is another one that does that same thing for me. It's called Worthy of It All. And the first uh, set of lyrics we attach scripture to is all the saints and angels, they bow down before your throne. All the elders cast their crowns before the Lamb of God and sing. We'll be talking about this on Monday, tomorrow night when we go over Revelation 4. The four and twenty elders fall down before him that start on the throne and worship him that lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne. It's exactly where we're going next in this teaching is uh, we're going to see chapter 4 is all about Jesus opening the scroll, the worthy one, the only worthy one. It's beautiful. Second verse we talk about is, For from you are all things, and to you are all things. Revelation 4.11, again, we're going to get You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you have created all things, and for your pleasure they are and were created. You can see why I want want to dig into the book of Revelation. A lot of the songs we sing point to beautiful verses there. It says, day and night, day and night, let incense arise. And that's the prayers of the saints. It says, for from the rising of the sun, even to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense is going to be offered to my name. The prayers of the saints being offered. Priest did this every day in the temple, but now we do it every day at the body of Christ. All the saints and angels, they bow before your throne. All the elders cast their crowns before the Lamb of God and sing, you worthy of it all.
Be still and know that I am God. I'll be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. can see how just worshiping um, 
in between teaching how to get your heart right. I just love it. I just love it. So that's what this format's all about of word and worship. We do this on Friday. We go over the book of John right now with uh, when I teach with Gus. And then we did Sunday mornings as well. I also have background music and we go into praise and prayer on Mondays and Thursdays and we're teaching too. So just to make sure that we're really uh, worshiping the Lord and praising Him as we study His word. And so we're going to get into the church of Laodicea. It's the last part of this um, chapter in the seventh of the seven churches, right? It says, And to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write the word of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. Very critical right there, guys, is that um, any any um, false religion out there uh, that teaches Jesus was a created being or just a prophet is, is a false religion because he was there at the beginning, right? It's very clear all throughout it says uh, all throughout Scripture that Jesus was there in the beginning. He was the Alpha, right? He's the he's the Son of the of the of the great God, of the one and only God that's always always existed. That's the first cause, right? So again, the words of the Amen and the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. So this is Jesus himself. He was the beginning of God's creation, right? And he wasn't created. He was always existed. He, and that's one thing. Anybody that, that teaches that God, that Jesus was created or um, is, is just teaching incorrect doctrine. And so that's one thing we do. We do, you know, talk about not being dogmatic on things, but one of the things we have to hold stern on is the right God, the right Jesus, and the right gospel, right? And that's what we're really focused on. Any other thing that gets away from the wrong gospel about a wrong Jesus or a wrong God, all those are going to lead you to not get to heaven. <laughs> so that's the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other God before me. That's why that emphasis is there so much of my teachings, right? You're going to see me not argue about predestination and post-destination, pre-millennial, are, are we raptured before or after? We're going to get into all that later. Um, but I'm not taking hard stances on that stuff because I want you to think for yourself and work. But when it comes to who God is, how we get to heaven, how who Jesus is, that's vital stuff that we cannot compromise on at all. All right. Verse 15 gets into, I know your works. There's Jesus talking to the church of Laodicea. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that, and again, he doesn't give him any compliments here. He starts right in. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich. I have prospered and I need nothing not realizing that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich in white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and solve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be jealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears me, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sit down with my father on his throne. He was an ear. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. There's again where um, this beautiful correction but boy, when we conquer, I'll grant him to sit on my throne. Can you imagine that? That, that when we conquer, we get to sit on the throne with Jesus. I am, I, 
as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. Is that not a privilege? <laughs> Just think of all the privileges that this book gives us. That's why I think this talks about the blessings we'll get if we read this out loud and, and understand it. Um, but part of it is obeying too, right? Like it talked back in verse one, remember that blessing says the blessed one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. So I recommend at some point in time, you just read, the, read the, the, the words of this out loud to yourself. And blessed are the ones who hear and who keep what is written right for the time is near. I mean, we always need to be prepared for the second coming of Christ, right? Or for the rapture, whatever, whatever uh, we do, we always are prepared. And that means we have our heart right and we are serving him and he's the first priority in everything. If we keep that, um, keep the main thing the main thing, we're gonna be fine, right? <laughs> that's, a, that's a critical part of, 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 of our walk with, with Christ, right? Is to make sure we continue to do that. Now, if I go back to this chart, which is kind of an interesting chart, and we look back at Laodicea and I blow up on here, it says, again, he's the amen, the faithful witness, the ruler of God's creation. We just read about that. Again, nothing positive, just just like Sardis. Sardis and Laodicea um, doesn't give them any condemnation. He basically gives them nothing but condemnation, right? He says, hey, you're lukewarm. You're not rich, but pitiful, blind, naked. Well, he holds nothing back on them, does he? A rebuke, those I love. So what's he say? You need to repent by gold clove from Saul to overcome poverty, nakedness, and blindness. Open the door to eat with Christ. And then um, when it comes to those who conquer, you have the right to sit with me on my throne just as it did with the Father. Woo! So we need to be humbly dependent. So I think that's a message that the main message, I believe, since these are real churches, and I'm gonna show you that these are real churches. This is a little bit against the historist view. Um, these were real churches at that time, right? And you can see in, back in chapter one, we see, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches. He's talking about the seven churches right then. I, I believe there's just no doubt in that. To Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamon and to Thyatira and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea, right? So right there, he clearly names, send this book to them. And uh, later you'll see in, in that, uh, verse 19 it says those that are and it says right there for the things that you've seen it's talking to John obviously in the in the island we talked about earlier those that are are those that are and those that are to take place so you he's gonna see these visions and he's writing things that are that's writing to the churches I believe and those that take place after this and um, then it says again the seven stars are of are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lapstones are the seven churches. So it's clearly saying, hey, I'm writing to the seven churches now at this current time. Not many people would disagree with that except for the historists kind of take that to another level. Maybe they think it's both, but um, I'm gonna show you a different chart that's kind of interesting. So here's this chart that's taught, this, this maps out, you know, all these things for the seven churches. Um, Jesus among the lampstands, I know your deeds. I have this against you, you need to repent. Um, here's what you'll get if you overcome. Um, and, and we'll come, come back to this at the end because I think this is a beautiful summary of everything. And you can, you can, you'll get this on your show notes. Again, just go to blessedteach.com. Make sure you sign up for the show notes and you'll get this on Tuesday morning. All right, uh, let's look at this. So this is a historist view. So a lot of the same things, but they put a heavy meaning on the meaning of the church. Um, and then also they, um, uh, the, the three to five verses that talk about that church right whether it's good or bad 
uh, three of seven verses maybe in one of them. I think it's six and a half verses, the three and a half verses, but there's not a lot there. But they literally map it to a church history. And they're saying, hey, when it's talking to Ephesus, it's talking about the church in AD 96 when John wrote. Most people think he wrote here, except for the preachers have to go back earlier and use not very good logic, I believe, to say that John wrote it before AD 70. Um, I believe this date is correct here. But anyway, then they say, hey, when I'm talking to Smyrna, it's, it's talking about this period of time. And when I go to Pergamos, it's talking about this period of time in the church age, all the way to today, right? So that's what they map it out. Even that you see, you'll see the Reformation period is here. They're taking, that's, that's Sardis where they said, yeah, and, and they, they take these different um, meanings of the church. And so this could be doing both, right? I just want to give you another perspective. Now there's a whole detailed article much of what I don't agree with um, from a perspective of what they talk about. They say only use the King James Version, all others are corrupt, which is just, I teach textual criticism, as you know. The most reliable documents of antiquity are after 500 AD, which is the Textus Receptus for the King James Version. So there's much more reliable transcripts that we leverage now in the ESV and the NIV, and everybody attacks them It's because they've taken words out. The words they took out were probably added as clarification by scribes, right? So I teach a whole course on this. The whole point is is that you can trust the versions you have. They, the, words, the words that are taken out and the verses that are taken out were done for a very good reason, called textual criticism, trying to get to the original writer's writing, right? Good news is they really have no doctrinal effect because everybody that reads the NIV I, I, I myself came to the conclusion that Jesus was a, was born of a virgin just because there was one verse where something was taken out that may, may de-emphasize that. It could be the scribe added that. We're trying to get to the original writings, right? That's the, that's the point. So I, wanna, I want people to get off um, um, trying to be dogmatic about the version they're using, right? Uh, you, need to, you need to use multiple versions to really get the full, the full scope of what God's saying, I think, and sometimes, right? It can really help me and I think can help you as well. Um, so I know it's a controversial subject and it's almost like uh, a tough topic that you, most, most pastors don't even talk about because people get so dogmatic about it and they fight, right? But uh, I use the ESV, but I also go back to the KJV, which is a beautiful version, especially the New King James Version, because of the poetic English, etc., like that. Uh, but again, it's at the 12th grade level. It's very hard to understand for some people. So, so uh, anyway, whole point being uh, that this is the historic view where you have each church is, is, is put to a, a, a period of time. And the reason I, I, I hesitated to put this article in here, but they'll be in the show notes. It's, it gives the historic view of this. And he's, a, and he's a dogmist, right? He basically says, everybody else is wrong and I'm right. Um, but it's it's what I loved about this article is it really maps back some cool church history, talking about what I just showed you, where the, these uh, the Roman Empire was the beast they were fighting, and the Roman Catholic Church became the beast, and then uh, the Jesuits that took over the uh, Rome and the Catholic Church, and they talk about specific things where 500 million Christians have been killed primarily by the, either the Roman Empire or the Catholic uh, popes, right? So uh, you see all this, um, the, the Church of Ephesus um, from 33 AD, and it gives a history of the church. So beautifully done. I don't have time to cover that. But uh, that was my value I got out of studying, the, the again, of these three, these different views that we talk about. Um, I, I'm more of a futurist, right? Uh, the, the, 
but but I think the preachers have some good good logic in there. But this Hystrix, it was one that I just found valuable from understanding church history. So obviously, if, if you're a history major of, of church history, you're going to tend to be a historist, right? <laughs> That's kind of a, an interesting deal. But this these charts are fascinating. I think you really enjoy having them in your in your links. Uh, so make sure you sign up for the show notes. You can have blessedteach.com. It's on the front page. Those, those are free. Um, come join in backstage now. You can join as a pay-forward model for free. Uh, to get to the neighborhood where we meet to talk about all these things and discuss these things and not be isolated, meet in Zoom groups when, I, when we're not here. That's in the neighborhood. All that's available at blessedteach.com, blessedwiththenumber2teach.com. Make sure you go visit that and see all the resources we have there and the training we have. Okay, I think you really, really will enjoy that. Um, but um, I'm uh, again, this is a, a real interesting when you get through um, them thinking basically that Revelation is talking about the time, and 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 logically that kind of makes sense. Why would he write a book where he talks to the churches, and then he talks about two thousand over two thousand years later in the tribulation, and and what's in between is this mysterious church age, which is I believe the mystery that that he talks about in various parts in the Bible. But a lot of people have a problem with that, and that's why historists and preachists try to bring it back, right? And so I think they have some good points. But again, I, I'm, I'm a futurist based on what I've looked at. Um, but again, I'm going to be trying to apply this to what the prophets are saying now. And I think it's even more evidence that we're going to be going through this great harvest before the tribulation. And the tribulation has not started. Um, but as you know, I just had Stella Emanuel on my show just this week. And she talked all about how she thinks we're in the tribulation now. And she spoke from the New King James Version in a very powerful way. And she really believes that. And I had Melissa Redpill on, who basically thinks a bunch of the tribulation period have happened, and she does that, looks at through through astronomy, not not astrology, which is bad, right? But the stars, the true stars in astronomy, facts, right? And so I bring different different people on with different viewpoints, and I think that's healthy as you study this book. And but don't let it confuse you. Remember, we want this blessing from chapter one. To say, blessed are those ones who reads it aloud. Blessed are those ones who hear, right? That's why we're studying this. So don't back off of, of understanding and studying this with me. I think you really enjoy it as we move forward here. There's some other places I wanted to go to here. Um, like it was saying there at the end about uh, um, on Revelation 3 here. Um, see if I can get to that where it talked about buying gold and silver that's not of this world basically right it says i counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and the solvent of your eyes that you may see so that whole thing about gold refined from fire that you may be rich it's not talking about wealth true gold right it's talking a little bit what isaiah 55 talks about come buy wine and milk without money and without price Right, so it's just beautiful how the Old Testament just points to the New Testament and the Revelation's pointing back to the Old Testament, how all this comes together with these, these 66 books in a beautiful way. I just love the Word of God. There's some other scripture I wanted to point out here is, this is Revelation 5, 6, which we'll get to later. It says, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent in, out into the earth. So when I talked about the seven eyes being this Holy Spirit, it tells us it's, that's what it is, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into the earth, right? It's talking about the Holy Spirit, seven being completeness. So, um, you'll, see, so you'll see that 
that that starts talking about that. And here in Luke, we talks about for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. I think that's another main point that I'd like to get across in this, is that we always need to be ready for whether it's the rapture or the second coming. Um, we need to be ready to for the Lord to come at, for us at any time, which means continue to be in His Word. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I like what Chris just put on backstage. She said, keep in mind that Revelation 1-3 does not say understand, right? So um, we, we just need to read it out loud and listen to it, right? It does say that we need to do what's written in it. That's the tough part. To keep what is written in it, right? And what? And so what? Let's go back to that. That's a good, good transition, Chris. I, I also say, I also see on Rumble, JD, SK, Yander basically said, beautiful. This is fascinating from an interpretation viewpoint. Looking at all these different views, and says, I'm, I'm a bit of these, except the preachers, right? So, the, the, so that, that's I think the, the knowing the symbols for coming back to this. She, he was talking about this jumping around here a little bit but he was talking about hey i'm a little bit of an idealist because i understand their symbols i'm a little bit of a historian because I, I could see that yeah maybe these church errors um they were warning that these different church errors of things right which makes a lot of sense when you read through that article and uh futurist is is a more more in literal interpretation like tim LaHaye, that hey these things are going to happen in the future right For, and i'm primarily talking about the differences is primarily chapter four I mean, chapter, chapter uh, 6 through 19, where you have the tribulation. I believe that's a tribulation. They think that's happening. A lot of the people think that's already happening or it's happening, right? So, uh, but again, you don't have to understand it all. You just need to make sure that you are doing what what, what, what it's doing. And, what, and what, what, what are we supposed to be doing? I think it's pretty clear in this chart, right? And all seven churches, he basically says, do not do these things that they're being condemned for, right? <laughs> so we got to make sure that we don't do what? that we do not forsake our first love. Obviously, that's what he told Ephesus, the church of Ephesus, right? And, and if this is an error, that's what he was telling those people uh, that, that uh, were, were being persecuted by the Roman Empire, right? And then uh, what else does he, and then, he, then he's telling uh, the church of Smyrna, um, he's, he's encouraging them, he has no rebuke for them, right? And so this is the, when they're talking about all the persecutions that happened and when um, is, is what the church era would say about this. But again, what are we supposed to be careful of not doing? Um, accepting false teachings from people like Balaam, make sure you don't eat food sacrifice, meat sacrifice to idols, sexual morality, or these teachers of the Nicolaitans, which was mostly, most likely just false teachers talking about uh, the wrong gospel or the wrong Jesus. Most of them talked about the wrong Jesus, right? Here and that and that was a warning to Pergamon, and Thyatira says we don't tolerate the prophetess Jezebel sexual morality again and idols that, that meet in the idols again. She has, he, she has time to repent, but again, call those to repent. So this comes back to the church of today, accepting transsexuals and, and accepting their sin versus loving them and telling them they have time to repent and then and, and, and a lot, loving the person. But hating the sin, right, is, a, is a, I think, an important lesson that we can see for all of us. And if I look at Sardis, it says, reputation of life, but actually dead. Don't have a Christian face on that everything's perfect, right? <laughs> and not be alive in Christ. We need to be, a, we, your, your deeds are not complete in my sight. So we got to make sure that God, that what we, the way we look 
is, is what we are, right? And that we are doing the works of Christ. Um, that's a big, big uh, warning. Another warning we have in Laodicea, we just read, is don't be lukewarm. Right, get off the fence. Make a decision, right? And we better it should be the decision for good versus evil, right? And uh, and again, don't think that you're that. Don't let wealth blind us, um, and because he and and under, understand that he and accept his rebukes when you're getting disciplined by God. Don't sit there and say and, and and say, okay, what are you teaching me, Lord, about this time, this trial I'm going through? What are you teaching me? These are great lessons we can get from this this chapters two and three of Revelation. And uh, then also, if we overcome, if we just hold fast, what do we get? We get the right to eat from the tree of life in paradise. We are not hurt by the second death. I will give. I'll, I will be. Uh, I'll, I will give. Jesus will give us hidden manna, a white stone with a new name written on it, like they gave the winners of 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 the athletic contest right with a white stone and you would be able to get into a banquet later we're going to get in the banquet of christ i will give you authority over nations right we talked about that in psalm 2 9 and the morning star right beautiful things we talked about that last week in the last teaching a few who have not soiled dressed in white in and in the book of life Right, so if you if you have not sold yourself, you're just going to be dressed in white, and you're going to be in the book of life. You're obviously going to be going to heaven, and uh, a pillar in the temple. He'll never leave us. Our we'll 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 have a name of God in a city, and then we'll see this new name. We'll be see this new Jerusalem come before us, and we'll have the right to sit with Jesus on His throne, just as He did with the Father. Woo! That's so. What do we need to do? We just need to do these virtues. We need to love Jesus, endure persecution. Teach soundly. Don't tolerate evil. Be spiritually alive and wait patiently for the Lord and do that in a humble and dependent way to Christ. What a beautiful way. I think you'll love this chart as well and just understand that is the beauty, I think, of what we're learning here in um, in this in this, this, this beautiful charts that I'm giving you here. Um, so I have a lot of uh, different material that uh, you have in the show notes as well. I did want to show you this as well. This is kind of cool. This is uh, in the in the study Bible. If you buy a study Bible, and I found it online here too, you sit, and you, I'll have this in the show notes. But it's, but it's talking about promisers to overcomers. So you'll see here in two and three, we have all these promises, right? And what's cool is to stick with me as we go through the series. Once we get to chapters nineteen through twenty-two. You're going to see the fulfillment of all these promises. What are these promises? In 2.7, he said, we'll eat from the tree of life. We just talked about it. It's going to be fulfilled. You'll see it fulfilled in, in, in fulfillment in 22. This is why that I believe this is all future. Um, we'll not be hurt by the second death that it talks about in 2.11. Well, it's fulfilled in chapter 20 and 21. We will be given a white stone. They talk about that in chapter 21 and also 18 through 21 gives it the context around it. What's the promise in chapter two and three here? It talks about we'll reign with Christ on his throne. You'll see that fulfilled in chapter 20. We'll be given the morning star. You'll see that fulfilled in chapter 20, 16 and uh, 21 and 22. We'll be clothed in bright garments. You'll see that in 19, 21, even a little bit all the way back in nine and 10. 
You'll be, your name will be in the book of life. That'll be fulfilled in chapter 21. We'll be made a pillar of God's temple. That'll be filled in chapter 21 as well. We'll participate in the new Jerusalem. That's fulfilled in chapter 21. And we'll have God's name written on us. That'll be fulfilled in chapter 22. That should be beautiful. So hold on. We're going to go through this rough tribulation period. We're going to see the seals open. We're going to see the trumpets. We're going to see the bowls poured out. Um, but then all these beautiful promises are going to be fulfilled in this book of Revelation. So I hope you see the excitement and fun that you can have and being blessed by this book, uh, even though it has some horrible stuff in it and stuff that may be tough to understand. Hold with me and you will enjoy this, I believe. Here's a, just a Revelation made simple to kind of show you the chapters of Revelation. Again, you'll have this in the show notes, but chapter one, we went over that. John and Papamus on the Papamus Island. Remember, he had the vision of Christ's glory. And we just went through chapter two and three. These are the seven, the letters to the seven churches. We just read all that. The next time we're going to be getting into what we just sang about, worthy of it all, with the vision of God's throne, which Jesus is there. It's beautiful. Um, so don't miss uh, Monday. We're going to talk about this tomorrow night, um, right after the show. And then chapter five, we're getting the seven seal book opened by the slain lamb. So he opens up the book and then we get this, the, the six seals opened and uh, you're gonna have the four horsemen, the red, the white, the red, the black, the pale horse, um, and the souls are under the altar wrath of God. That's all gonna be in chapter six. Then we get to chapter seven. We'll talk about the 144,000 and the great multitude of tribulation saints. And then chapter eight and nine, we'll get the tribulation trumpets and the seventh seal opened. Woo, and that's tough. Those are tough chapters, but it shows you God's God's judgment, and uh, that in the end, uh, these evil people are are not going to be able to survive this. Chapter ten: the mighty angel with the little book and the seven thunders. Chapter eleven: we're going to the two tribulation witnesses of the forty-two months, the twelve hundred sixty days, the third woe, and the seventh trumpet. And then we'll get into chapter 12, the woman and the man and the child, the red dragon, all that. Chapter 13, the, the seven-headed beast uh, and the 42 months, the lamb, the dragon, the false prophet. We'll get into that. And then chapter 14 is the three angels. Christ reaps the harvest. And then chapter 15, we'll get into seven vials given to the seven angels, the victorious saints, the song of Moses. Chapter 16, the seven vials of wrath, the fall, fall of judgments. And uh, so I can see, you can see there's a, this is a, a big book of, of, of beautiful of, 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 of be beautiful information about the seven churches and what we can apply to. Then it gets into this rough period of tribulation. We're going to see the mystery of Babylon the Great in chapter 17. Babylon has fallen in chapter 18. Chapter 19, marriage uh, supper of the Lamb. This is our marriage to Christ right here. And then the war of Armageddon. And uh, then you're going to see in chapter 20, the millennium Satan's bound for a thousand years, the battle of Gog and Magog. Uh, this is where we, I saw that, that whole, uh, when I was in Israel, the whole, whole valley of Armageddon. That was really interesting. The lake of fire, the white throne judgment. And then chapter 21 and 22, we'll get into the new Jerusalem, the new heaven and the new earth, the new, the new Jerusalem and eternity with Christ. Um, that is the revelation made simple there. I think you really enjoy that I'll make sure that gets in the show notes here. Um, but uh, with that, we're going to get back to some more music and then just open it up to any discussion or question that anybody has. Um, but boy, do we have a great God. <laughs> it's just so cool to uh, to understand some of this stuff. And that's what I want us to, to worship to right now. It's just how great this God is. Uh, 
Jeremiah 10.6 says, There is none like you, O Lord. You are great. Your name is great in might. When we talk about the beginning and the end in Revelation 21, this is part of that fulfillment. He, it is done. Jesus is going to say, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And third part of this song we emphasize is the Lion and the Lamb. Again, right out of Revelation 5 5. We'll get to there probably Thursday. It says, Weep no more. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. We talked about he has the key of David, right? He's also the root of David. He's conquered. And uh, John 1.36 says, And he looked at Jesus and he walked by, this is John the Baptist, and said, Behold the Lamb of God. He's the one who's going to open up the seals when we teach tomorrow night. You're going to see the Lamb of God being the only worthy one. We're just saying about worthy of it all. We'll sing worthy of it all tomorrow night as well. Name above all names. Therefore God was highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Remember, every knee is going to bow to this. Everybody's going to understand this. So that's the good news in the end. Um, but we have a lot of work to do to get to all those people groups. Remember, I was talking about that? JoshuaProject.net. It's a lot of people groups we haven't got to. So we've got a lot of work to do. And this great harvest coming up. Boy, how great is our God. The splendor of a king Clothed in majesty Let all the earth rejoice All the earth rejoice He wraps himself in light And darkness tries to hide Trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. How great is our God? Sing with me, how great is our God? And all will see how great, how great is our God.
with me have a ray is our God and all will see how great how great is our God all right I just wanted to get into a little bit of time to see if anybody wanted to have any questions you can type those into Facebook or Rumble. I can see those. You can obviously come back. We'd love to have you come back here anytime. Any thoughts about um, the teaching today about Revelation? Or you have any questions? Um, we would dig into Revelation 3 here, but we've gone through chapters 1 through 3. We'll go through 4 tomorrow, um, Monday night after the show. That starts at 5 o'clock. The show does CST. So that usually around uh, 6.30 is when we get started into praise and prayer and I teach right before that so it'll be between 6 and 6 30 is when I will teach on Revelation chapter 4 and then we'll get chapter 5 on Thursday and then move into um, next Sunday chapter chapter 7 we'll get right into the tribulation um, and, and the opening of those um, seals all right but uh, any backstage do you have any comment or thoughts on what we've been going over Otherwise, we're going to move to another song and just wrap this up. But it's been a beautiful hour and a half. I just love, uh, the Lord told me to just enjoy teaching this. Because it's kind of a stressful thing to teach if you think about it with all the different versions. And people attack anybody that takes a different view. Right? It's one of the poisons of, uh, of, of, of the dogmatism that many people take. Right? Versus uh, in love and unity that we need to be in right now. We need to be unity. There's lots of parts that everybody agrees on, right? That the return of Christ, right? Everybody agrees on that. Um, there's so many things we can agree on on all those things I just talked about. What we can do to conquer, uh, what we should not be doing as churches, right? We can even look at the what the the good parts of the church and what we need to be doing as as churches. And, and I'm talking about these the, the body of Christ what we need to be doing is the body of Christ not not a physical church right um, but any thoughts uh, backstagers uh, either raise your hand or just un unmute uh, yeah I know Chris 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 and uh, was talking about the, the Kazarians I know that uh, there's a lot of uh, discussions about uh, Kazarian Jews that come from the Eastern Europe area where actually Ukraine is and you know Scott McKay teaches on this a lot we've had in my show um, but Scott's really gone um, a different direction and uh, is talking about reincarnation and a lot of non-biblical things. <laughs> so uh, why don't you be real careful about the New Age movement out there and and because uh, they, they do exactly what I was talking about. They don't teach the right God, they don't teach the right Jesus, and they don't teach the right gospel, right? The New Age uh, is all about man, and it's a ton, lot of the Gnosticism that um, a lot of a lot of the warnings that Paul gave us were around those false teachings, James as well. So just be real careful as you just hold. God just wants us to get close to Him. He told me again this week, multiple times. If you go look at my blog um, on the neighborhood, you'll see a blog there that talks about what, what what the time I'm spending alone with the Lord. And and one thing He really wanted to emphasize was us to get alone with Him. Right? Each each and every one of us. He wants to talk to each and every one of you. Um, so I would really encourage you to to spend time with him alone in the Word of God. Uh, my routine is simple. You, not that you need to do this, but I wake up in the morning. I just have this, I don't know, probably two or three minute deal where I'm just putting on my armor of God. I'm thanking him. I'm 
you know, I say certain scriptures and and uh, and I get through and uh, ask for the unity. I bind, I bind and loose things and etc. And, and I do that just kind of in the morning when I wake up. And uh, then I try once uh, chaos kind of settles down. And get, and sometimes I'm up real early and get get there, but sometimes I have to do a few things before. And I, then I do a little bit of scripture memory, boom, 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 um, which I do at night as well before I go to bed. And not much time at all, right? Five minutes max. And then I then I get into the word for a little bit. I read, either it's reading to me or I'm studying something to prepare for this. And then once I know that, okay, I've, I've memorized a little bit, I've already said some prayers, I, I uh, have had some word of God in me. Then I say, okay, okay, now it's time for me to listen to what God wants to tell me specifically. And that's what I do, what Nathan French says in his book. It's not supposed to be a secret. God wants to speak to you, right? That's the, word, the book I read in, in a revelation in Israel where I, for the first time God started speaking to me and he wants to speak to you as well. And in sentences, and I just have my hands on the keyboard and I do pray for a safe place where no other spirits can talk to me except for, except for the Holy Spirit, and the Lord Jesus and, and the Father. And uh, I have a little prayer around that and then I just go in with my hands on the keyboard and listen to what God says to me. And usually I'm thanking him and talking to him. It's a conversation, right? God wants to have a conversation with you. I really believe you can do that specifically. And again, I have a blog that shows what God's sharing with me. Uh, um, again, um, and most of what he's saying is, Rick, teach this. I want people to understand that. Elizabeth says, the revelation is what it is. It brings revelation in the sign of the times and has deep meanings that help us bring our own revelation to the Father. He helps us in the power of his love and may he be glorified amen there's like that five minute video uh, that talks about the four different views talks all about it and what the what they really believe and then at the end it says but the most important thing is you are living for christ now in the present <laughs> right because <laughs> uh, it's like you know how when people say when you go to a place you need to be present if you're thinking about other things you're on your phone or whatever being present right and so be present with the lord god almighty and that way um and and obviously uh, those all those warnings that he gives us and, and just uh i just I, i'm, I'm going to end with maybe just looking at that last part which is uh which is beautiful uh which which is this chart and if we look at the look at these bottom two things right it's like you get a right to eat from the tree of life in paradise if we just love Jesus, right? You will not get hurt by the second death if you just endure persecution. You'll, you'll be uh, hidden. You'll, you'll be given hidden manna and a white stone with your name written on it if you just teach soundly. You'll give authority over the nations and the morning star if you don't tolerate evil. And, you know, if, if, and a few of you have not told you, you'll be dressed in white and have and be in the book of life if you're spiritually alive. And you get a pillar in a temple, never leave uh, in, in the name of God. And you'll see this new Jerusalem, this new name, if you wait patiently. And lastly, you have the right to sit with Jesus on his throne, just like he did with the Father, if you just be humbly dependent on him. What a beautiful, beautiful time, huh? <laughs> so we're gonna finish and just wrap this up tonight. Uh, this morning, I'm sorry, with Surrounded. And uh, you can just worship with me if you'd like. And we'll uh, see you on Monday night if you'd like to continue this series. This um, talks about fighting battles because we're all in battles as the elites try to make our lives miserable in every way, make us sick in every way with our air and water and food and chemicals and 
cleaning materials like every way they can think of. They want to make us sick, right? So we're in battles, but our weapons are what? Praise and thanksgiving. <laughs> Just like in 2 Chronicles where you put the army in front of, I mean, you put the praise band in front of the army, going in an impossible battle. So he pointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in the holy name, and they went before the army. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men who had come against Judah, so that they were routed. And they all helped destroy one another. When we praise and give thanksgiving to the Lord, the enemy starts fighting each other. Beautiful. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. You may think you're surrounded with everything going on, but no. Two Kings says, do not be afraid. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. This is Elisha. Prayed for his servant's eyes to be opened. And behold, the mountain was full of horses of chariots of fire. We have horses of chariots of fire on our side. There's a table that you've prepared for me in the presence of my enemies. Right out of Psalm 23, 5. You prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And the last part of this is really about communion, which we'll do next Sunday. It's your body and your blood you've shed for me. Where right out of Luke 22, he says, and he took bread and gave thanks and broke it. It's my body, which is beginning for you. This cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is served for you. Seem to surround him.
All right, we've wrapped up the Word and Worship for this Sunday morning. Appreciate you guys joining us. Love to have you um, join us uh, on Mondays and Thursdays when we teach as well and then go into praise and prayer. And uh, then Friday, we also do Word and Worship where I teach on the book of John with, uh, on Fridays at 5 p.m. CST. So those are kind of the four times a week we really get into this beautiful video music worship. And... Uh, we invite you to come and join. There's all kinds of other stuff you can do on backstage. That is something that people paid $17.76 a month because of all the tools you got with the searchy tool to be able to look at prophecies and uh, be able to back backstage with other patriots and just really get involved in the ministry. And um, we moved that to a pay-forward model. So now you can come on for free. Let's go to blessedteach.com. That's where you get to everything, including the neighborhood where we meet in Zoom groups, even off offline. Remember neighborhood.social just go to blessedteach.com and hit neighborhood or you can just go to neighborhood.social and that is a really where we're getting together and connecting with each other so invite you to, to make sure you download that on your app neighborhood.social or, or, or go to that neighborhood.social on your on your um, desktop right you guys really enjoy that uh, we will be blessed as we continue to read through out loud the revelation, as, as it was said. If uh, the backstage people would mind unmuting and saying hallelujah, goodbye. <laughs> hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bless. Bye, y'all. Bless everyone. Mm-hmm. All right. We got, so, so see everyone soon. Hello?